electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The DOJ's trial against Alphabet kicking off today, its biggest antitrust case since facing off with Microsoft two decades ago. Back then, when the big personality was Bill Gates, this time it might be Alphabet Sundar Pichai. Our Deidre Bosa is digging into that for today's Tech Check. Hi, Dean. Let's talk about him. He's often described as thoughtful, soft-spoken, a peacetime CEO. And this is a real headline from The Journal a few years ago. Sundar Pichai is a really nice guy. Is that enough? Guys, it may be time to throw out that narrative. Sundar Pichai is calculating and efficient, arguably the wartime CEO that Google needs as they get ready to face off with the Department of Justice in the first major monopoly case in decades. Since taking the job in 2015, Sundar Pichai has increased the value of Google by more than 300 percent while facing critics inside and outside of the company. Internally, he has had to navigate an increasingly delicate and polarized corporate culture, walkouts, turmoil over discriminatory policies, contracts to government agencies, an AI research center in China. He's faced all of it, but none of it has impacted the business in a material way. And Google is still seen as one of the most desirable places to work here in the Bay Area. When Pichai did have to cut the workforce, he did so swiftly and efficiently. In January, he laid off 6% of the global workforce, amounting to 12,000 employees. But perhaps his biggest crisis came this year when Wall Street thought that Google had fallen behind in the generative AI race and Microsoft and ChatGPT were going to kill its golden goose search. Sure, that could still happen, but no one thinks that Google is behind anymore. And in fact, take a look at this chart. It is outperforming Microsoft this year by nearly 15 percentage points. So Wall Street and the DOJ, perhaps they should not underestimate Pichai over the next few weeks and months as the DOJ makes this case that Google has abused its power. And finally, I can't not mention this. Our audience might remember earlier this year when Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said that with ChatGPT, he would make Google dance. Well, Pichai, he answered back yesterday in a Wired interview. He said that in cricket, there's a saying that you let the bat do the talking. So guys, Sundar Pichai, he may be quiet, he may be soft-spoken, but over the years since he's been CEO, he's really proved himself. And this could be an interesting battle shaping up between him and Google and the DOJ. I was going to ask how they've been dealing with some of these regulatory issues, because today's case reminds me a lot of what they faced in Europe and what they have been facing in Europe from their antitrust cop, Margaret Vestager. Not, mm -hmm. not sure she would give him the kind of glowing reviews, but <laughs> I'm curious what that's been like. She might call him a formidable, you know, opponent, though, right? And certainly, Sarah, you know better than anyone that it has faced a lot more. Google has faced more repercussions, more penalties, more fines in Europe than it has over here to a wide degree. Um, but, you know, something that Senator Pichai has also done over the years, he's known who to appoint. And I think this move that we got last earnings call in recent months was moving Ruth Porat, the CFO, to president of the company. She is going to have more of a role with regulators to move someone so high profile that has been so good at her job as CFO into that kind of role. That could be really interesting. We'll see if it turns out to be a good one. The other thing I'll add, yes, I mean, I wanted to provide an opposition to the idea that Senator Pichai isn't a wartime CEO. He's done a lot that actually proves that he might be. But then again, when the stock does 300 percent and it's riding this AI wave 300 percent since he became CEO, that makes up for a lot of other stuff.
The Department of Justice's landmark trial against Alphabet kicking off today, marking its first antitrust case against a big tech company in more than two decades. And our Eamon Jabbers is on the scene. Eamon? Hey there, Kelly. Well, the Department of Justice has just called its first witness, and it's Google's chief economist, Hal Varian. And they've been grilling him this hour about the advice that he gave to the company on antitrust issues. And what's fascinating here is that we're hearing direct echoes of the legendary Microsoft antitrust case of the late 1990s. The Department of Justice has been grilling Varian about warnings he sent in emails as far back as 20 years ago to Google executives. In the messages, he warned executives against using incendiary rhetoric uh, in public or in private saying phrases like quote cutting off their air supply should not be used to refer to competitors now that's because Microsoft Steve Ballmer allegedly used the same phrase about his competitors and it came back to haunt Microsoft in their battle back in the 1990s so you have Google executives 20 years ago analyzing how the DOJ prosecuted the Microsoft case back then and now the DOJ of today in this courtroom here surfacing that advice in its case about Google. So what goes around comes around. Now the DOJ, state attorneys general in this case, and Google have all concluded their opening statements this morning. So we're getting really into the heart of the case already here on day one. And one quick uh, piece of color, Kelly, I can tell you that on the first floor of the courthouse here, the same time they're arguing about the Microsoft case in the courtroom, they are, there's literally a museum exhibit about the history of the Microsoft case and its significance in antitrust history. So history uh, in the display case here and history in the courtroom as well, Kelly. You say the opening statements went to the sort of the heart of the case. What, in simple terms, what is the heart of the case? Why is the Justice Department uh, prosecuting Google or Alphabet? Well, it's two, as you can imagine, two very distinct arguments, right? The Department of Justice is saying that Google got to 90% dominance in online search by breaking the law. And they're focusing really on these payments to companies like Apple that Google has made over the years, billions of dollars of payments uh, in order to become the default search engine on all these devices across the whole universe of devices that people use. The Department of Justice is saying that flood of cash really kept other competitors out of the search business and was anti-competitive. What Google is saying here is exactly the opposite, as you can imagine. They're saying, hey, the reason we're so dominant is our product is so good. We built a great product. People seek us out. They don't want to use Bing and other competitors nearly as much as they want to use us and we didn't do anything inappropriately. All of the parsing of these 20-year-old emails that we've seen so far today, all of this is going to tease out the situation of who's right here. Ultimately, they don't have to prove it before a jury here, Tyler. This is a bench trial, so it's all going to be in front of Judge Amit Mehta, uh, and it's going to be up to him to make the ultimate decision here. So no jury to impress. Uh, that means that the arguments can get a little bit more technical because Mehta has been steeped in this stuff for a long time. You don't have to assume uh, a level of knowledge in a jury pool. You have to assume a level of knowledge here with a juror, uh, with a judge in this case, uh, who's been overseeing this case for a long time and very, very steeped in, in the details, Tyler. How long is this case expected to go on? Well, we think until late October, maybe spill over into early November by the time we're done with everybody presenting their cases. Then uh, Meta will take some time uh, to figure out where he's going to stand on this. And we don't expect an ultimate ruling until sometime in 2024. And Tyler, that's just the first part of it. That's just the part to determine liability. 
if the judge here says that Google does have liability under antitrust law, well, then they go into another phase of the trial in which they have to prove uh, exactly what the remedy should be for that. So what is the fix here that Google would be ordered by the court to do in order to solve whatever problem they find here? That's only if the, if the Department of Justice prevails in this first part of the case that they go to the, that remedy piece. So we could be talking well into 2024 before we have any resolution where you see what kind of impact this has ultimately on Google's business. Will remedies practice. include fines? It's not clear. Both sides have been very careful not to talk to us at all about what the remedies might be. They don't want to go there. They're, they're very focused right now on just whether or not this issue of liability exists or not, Tyler. All right. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 